in light of the message of the song that Ashley and Karen sang, and our hope, our expectation concerning the future, we live in a world that is our mission field, and we're sent into the world to share Christ with others. And encourage you to keep that in mind in our day-by-day living, whether it be in school, whether it be in the job, whether it be with a neighbor, or wherever, seeking to be sought light and an ambassador. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. So we interact with some of Romans 1 this morning. We want to be hearers and doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I have a $5 bill here that I'm willing to share with someone. Rachel, I saw your hand first. I'm going to give this $5 bill to Rachel, and a little later in the service, I'm going to give her an opportunity to exchange this $5 bill for something else. So this is your $5 bill for now. And I will call you up and let you exchange it for something else later on if you choose to do that. Can the following world problems be totally solved at this point in time? The situation with ISIS. The power that people use to hurt others, whether it be sexually whether it be politically or just physically? What is the answer to the following question? Think about it as we interact with God's word. What happens when a person dies? What happens when a person dies? Does God give individuals over to evil? Does God give individuals over to to evil. We want to read Romans 1 in just a few moments. And as we read Romans 1, keep in mind that there's a progression taking place in Romans chapter 1, 18 through 32. In verses 18 through 20, God's revelation is shared in creation. We find that human rejection takes place in verses 21 through 23, a rejection of what God has revealed. As a result, God gives humans over to certain action in their lives. And because they still don't respond to God, God gives them over to shameful lust. And again, because people don't respond, God gives them over to a depraved mind because they didn't want to retain a knowledge of God. Romans 1, beginning with verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is made plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. 
but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Now, we've been looking at the larger picture of responding to some questions. Can we trust God? Can we trust Christ? Can we trust Scripture? Just responding to some basic worldview questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Why is there pain and why is there suffering? We looked at Hebrews 11. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 3. We looked at 1 John, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3, and now we're looking at Romans 1. And next week we'll draw some conclusions in certain areas. But as we think about what is happening here in Romans 1, keep in mind that God has revealed in verses 16... And 17, a righteousness from God. And then in 18 through 20, he revealed also his wrath against the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppressed the truth by their wickedness. And he revealed in creation his eternal power and divine nature. In verse 21, we see how people have responded to that. He says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. They knew God. They knew, they were able to examine, they were able to discern that God had revealed his eternal power and divine nature. They were able to discern from creation that he is against godlessness and wickedness of men. They knew God. What happens 
But they didn't glorify God as God. And they didn't give thanks to him. They didn't say God is the creator. God has eternal power. God is or has a divine nature. They didn't glorify him as God. Nor give thanks to him. So what happened? Their thinking. Their reasoning. Their thoughts became futile. They became useless. That should be fruitless, not fruit. They became fruitless. They became ineffective. They didn't have the ability to understand life from the Creator's perspective. They see life from a mere human perspective. Their thinking... Their reasoning abilities became futile in the sense that they could not understand life, understand the world from God's perspective. They don't have that ability any longer. So when we think of what happened 9-11, our world has a much different perspective on the why of 9-11 than believers in Christ. The whole issue with ISIS, we can wipe them out. We can take care of all of that. They have one perspective. They see it differently than the one who acknowledges God. The issue of who are humans. To a large extent, our world has concluded that we're not created in the image of God. Thus, we can kill. We can abort. We can tear down verbally. Again, because thinking becomes futile. It becomes empty. He goes on. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts are darkened. The idea of a foolish heart is a reckless heart, a perverse heart. Ties in with the idea of unintelligent. Ties in with the idea of dull. Heathen. Their hearts became darkened. The heart is a seed of feeling, the desire, the reasoning ability. So their heart is darkened. They cannot begin to understand the world. They don't understand God. They don't understand the design of God. And think about that in relation to... What happens in our world? They're in darkness. They can't see, understand from God's perspective. There's no light. It's like having a room that is pitch black. You can't find your way around. That's what happens when God as creator is rejected. Although they claim to be wise, they claim to be shrewd, they claim to be clever, they claim claim to have divine instruction, they claim to be spiritually enlightened, they claim to be wise, Scripture says, although they claim to be wise, they became fools. What does it mean to be a fool? 
to be rendered tasteless, dull, uninteresting. It's like a ball merely inflated with air, lacking judgment or sense. They became fools because they did not glorify God. A fool just cannot understand life from God's perspective. That comes as a result of rejecting God as creator. What did they do in verse 23? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. And the idea of exchange means to take a Christmas gift back to exchange it for something else. You take a car that you're trading in and get a new one. You're exchanging. What are they exchanging? They're exchanging the truth of God for a lie. I'm sorry, they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like birds and animals and reptiles. And we want to look at a parallel passage. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. When we get to Deuteronomy, we find that the children of Israel are getting ready to enter into the promised land. Moses is rehearsing with them the Ten Commandments, and the other aspects of the law. They're entering into what we call the promised land, a land that was going to be great, but there was evil present. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 15. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you in Mount Horeb out of the fire, referring to the day when the Ten Commandments were given to Moses. He says, you saw no form of any kind. They saw no form of God in any way, shape, or form. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourself an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman or like an animal on earth or a bird that flies in the air or like a creature that moves along the ground. Or any fish in the water below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things. The Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron-smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his inheritance, as you now are. Now, he's giving a very, very strong warning. Don't make an image or an idol. And before that, he said, remember when the Ten Commandments were given. They were given without any form. You heard, but there was no form. You could not see me. Don't. Make an image. Now let's go over to Psalm 106. In Exodus 19 and 20, when they received the Ten Commandments, they heard God, but they did not see Him. 
Moses gives them a strong warning. Now in Psalm 106 and verse 16. In the camp they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abiram. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from the meadow. They exchanged their glory. Their glory referring to God and all his majesty for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt. Miracles in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. Even before Israel got to go into the promised land, they had already fallen. They made an image. They made a calf to worship. And the psalmist in 106 is recalling some of their history. How they fell. Let's look at another passage, Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah coming years later after they had been in the promised land. And Jeremiah is writing, speaking. One of the prophets that confronted the nation of Israel. And in Jeremiah 2 and verse 11. Jeremiah 2 and verse 11. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they're not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug, dug their cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The nation of Israel. So God in his glory received the Ten Commandments and related laws. And what happened? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for one to make look like a calf, to look like animals, and so on. So back in Romans 1, when Paul says they exchanged the glory of God, I think he's tying that in with Israel. But he's tying that in with many other people. If you look at our world today, our world is filled with religions that have all kinds of images. In most communities, you don't have to drive very far to see images that are used in worship. Rachel, I have a bag of trash here. One of those bags that, you know, we have at the house, it's ready to go to be burnt. You have a decision to make. Do you want to exchange your $5 for this bag of trash? No. Okay. Now, what is Paul saying has happened? God has revealed himself. Foolish hearts, they became darkened, and they exchanged their $5 for a bag of trash. 
They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. For images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, reptiles, and so on. They made an exchange. So in verse 24, what happens? In verse 24, we find that because there was a rejection of the immortal God, there was a rejection of God's glory. God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart. To give over means to deliver, to commit, to abandon. In essence, he said, I'm letting you do what you want to do. I'm not going to hold you back any longer. I'll let you go. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. The idea of degrading is without honor. It's abuse. It's to treat with contempt and so on. What do they do? They degrade their bodies with one another. When you stop and think about what happens in our world, as people walk away from God, sexually, it's not very nice. God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged another exchange. Exchange of five dollars for a bag of trash. Exchange the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served the created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Now this enables us to understand the world in the past, but also the world in the present. We today are bombarded with the fact that education will solve a lot of our problems. And education is not wrong. But education will not solve an evil heart. It will not solve a society who has turned their back on God. But yet, we have been told, if we educate enough, we'll solve our problems. Technology will not solve our problems. Because the greater the technology, the greater the potential for good, but also the greater the potential for evil. If you stop and think about the internet, potential power for good, but the internet has been used very, very much for evil. Technology won't solve our problems. Not saying it's wrong, it's just, it's not the solution. We're currently in a position in our country where we're told, let's have more laws. Maybe we can solve some of our problems. We make a law against guns and so on. We'll solve our violence problem. I'm not saying gun laws are wrong, but it won't solve the problem. Why? Because people have turned their back on God. They're not glorifying God. 
They become futile. Their foolish hearts are darkened. They change the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man. God gave them over. And then he goes on in verse 26, because of this. Because God gave, or uh, because they have rejected God to this point, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned normal relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Again, he's letting them go. God gave them over. If you want to practice shameful lust, I'll let you go. I won't stop you. Because of their rejection. In verse 28, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. And a depraved mind is one unable to stand the test. It's worthless in terms of glory for God. He gave them over to a depraved mind. And what happens? They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of of doing evil. They disobey parents, senseless, heartless, ruthless. God said, you want to practice things? I'll let you go. He gave them over. He gave them over a second time, and he gave them over a third time. And he says, this is the result. And in 32, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So in essence, people are being cheered on, do it, as it turns in terms of gossip. They're approving those who disobey their parents. They're approving those who are heartless and ruthless. Approving those who are arrogant and proud. Doesn't paint a very pretty picture. Paul goes on in Romans 2 and the first part of Romans 3 to communicate that the whole human race is given to sin. Now I want to draw a couple of conclusions or applications. The individuals described in Romans 1, 18 through 32 are not the enemy. They are not the enemy. If we could just get rid of those who practice wickedness and greed, those who are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice and gossips and slanders and God-haters and so on, we would solve our problems. They're the enemy. Let's do something about them. Remember that Paul says in chapter 3 and verse 10, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. He's putting all of us in the same boat with those that he's described in Romans 1. 
all are given to sin. All lack a relationship with God. All miss the point of life, which is a relationship with God and fellowship with God. But in chapter 3, in verse 21, he says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. All are under sin. Maybe everyone didn't practice everything described in Romans 1, but we're all given to sin. We're separated from God. And he says there's a righteousness from God available. The individuals in Romans 1 are not the enemy. They're the mission field. We are ambassadors among these people. We're sought and light among these people. They're not the enemy. But they are the mission field. Listen as I read a couple verses from 1 Corinthians. There were lawsuits among the believers in Corinth and Paul says, you shouldn't take each other to court. You should be able to resolve your problems. In verse 9, he says, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. If you stop there, wouldn't be a good picture. And this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The people described in Romans 1 were in Corinth. And he says, you were. What did Paul do? He ministered to them. They came to faith in Christ. The Spirit of God convicted. They were washed. They were cleansed. They were purified. Because Paul went to the mission field. The mission field is not the enemy. We share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. So when you see people who serve idols, when you come across people who are filled with every kinds of wickedness and evil and greed and depravity, there's envy, there's murder, there's strife, there's deceit, there's malice, there's gossip, there's slanders, and so on. I'm Christ's ambassador to them. I can share the good news. The Spirit of God may convict and draw him or draw that person unto Christ. There is hope for the people described in Romans 1. It wasn't too long ago I was talking to a gentleman, and he explained to me what he had done. He had killed someone. He was seeking God. 
And I was able to talk to him. Here's a murderer. I was able to talk to him about Christ. Homosexuality is a very hot topic in our country today, and you know, you've got to be political correct, politically correct and so on. Why not talk to the homosexual? Talk to them about Christ. Why are you where you are? How did you come to this conclusion? Why are you living the way you are? Now, there's a solution. You share Christ. There's a righteousness available. And in all those that are listed in Romans 1, please keep in mind they are the mission field. Whether they come to Christ or not, not our business. We can take the gospel. We can share the gospel to them. See, many times, in light of Jeremiah, Israel tried one well after another, and they always came up empty. That's why those described in Romans 1 will try one sin, and they find it doesn't satisfy, and they try another sin, and it doesn't satisfy, and they try another sin, and it doesn't satisfy, and we come along and offer Jesus as the living water, the bread of life. So there's satisfaction in sin for a season, but not long term. Romans 1 helps us to understand the world in which we live. It's a messed up world. Romans 1 describes people that we would sooner not probably be around. But yet many saints in our world today were in that position before the Spirit of God convicted and drew them. So can our problems be completely fixed in our world? Can ISIS be completely fixed? No. Those that want to hurt others, will that be completely fixed? No. What happens when a person dies depends who you ask. Does God give individuals over to evil? Yes. A biblical thought process about the world in which we live. And as we think about that world, let's sing together as Travis comes. The world in which we live is our mission field. Travis?